from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to America Works, excerpts from interviews with contemporary workers throughout the United States collected by the Library's American Folklife Center as part of its Occupational Folklife Project. This America Works episode features Barbara Miller Bird, the third generation owner of the Carson and Barnes Circus, a family run circus based in Hugo, Oklahoma. Librarians and oral historians Tanya Fincham and Juliana Nicolation of the Oklahoma Oral History Research Program at Oklahoma State University interviewed Ms. Bird about her family's circus, about working in a circus, and about Hugo, a town in southeastern Oklahoma, which is famed as a wintering over spot for Carson and Barnes and other family circuses. Well, I'm very, very proud that we just completed our 75th tour, uh, 75 years of doing this all over the United States. And that actually, there's never been a family in the United States that has continuously owned a circus for that length of time. Uh, I'm third generation. My grandfather owned a hardware store in the town, and he also owned what was called the Opry House. And traveling shows used to come and perform at the Opera House. And uh, later they converted it to a silent motion picture theater. And uh, during the time when they would be re-reeling the reels of film, my father and his, my grandfather, would perform on stage with little dogs and ponies uh, to entertain the people while the reels were being changed. And then my father would sell popcorn. And that's kind of how they got into circus business. And uh, they started traveling around Kansas within a 50-mile radius doing little shows. Typical, I guess you call it a dog and pony show. My grandfather loved the animals and loved that part of it. He wasn't like a flashy guy. He was a very uh, quiet, kind of I'm assuming a small man, but he loved dogs and he loved ponies. And uh, my father was about eight years old, I believe, when uh, they actually started doing these little shows. My my mother and uh, father met at a, a barn dance and uh, they married when she was 15 and he was 16. So they went with a circus. Uh, she learned to perform and she loved it. You know, she loved the circus as much as my dad did and really devoted her life to the circus. And it was his passion, but it grew to be hers. Well, how did your family come to Hugo? Uh, my family came to Hugo in 1941. And in traveling, they met a man named Vernon Pratt who was an influential businessman here in Hugo. And then Mr. Pratt talked them into coming to Hugo uh, with uh, promise of free water for the animals. So they did come to Hugo. And uh, then they bought the uh, farm across the street from where we're sitting today. It was uh, my uh, grandfather moved into the little house on the property and the elephant got a barn. And so my mother always joked, said that the elephant had a house before she did. What is your earliest circus memory? Mm -hmm. Really, my earliest memories are of riding the pony in the, in the, we call it a spec. It's short for spectacular, but it's really the parade that happens during the performance of the circus. And so when I was about um, five years old, I learned to do a little, it's uh, called swinging ladder. And it's the first thing that all the little girls in the circus learn to do. And it's basically looks like a, a trellis ladder, but it's hung and it has a little loop on it and, 
you swing back and forth and uh, do little poses on it. And my mother was the swinger and my little dog used to come in the ring with us and watch me go back and forth. But, you know, it was a wonderful life. You know, maybe some people wouldn't think so, but the circus is a wonderful place to raise a child. And looking back now, I realize how magical it was, but it was a wonderful playground and you got to travel everywhere and be applauded for you know, doing a silly little trick with your dog, watching you in the center ring. and Well, you started with Swinging Ladder. Mm -hmm. uh, what are other acts that you may have gravitated towards as you were growing up? Well, I was the owner's daughter, so I usually did anything that, that either no one else wanted to do or that uh, maybe someone broke their leg and, and couldn't do. But uh, I, I always say I was kind of a jack of all trades. I wasn't very good at any of it, but I did it all. So uh, it's a very varied list. I rode the elephants and I rode dressage horses. I worked ponies in the ring. I, I used to collect tickets on the main gate. I wore a pumpkin head. I mean, I progressed on to uh, the concession department. I made cotton candy. I, uh, when I graduated from high school, my parents decided it was time for me to move into the office. Um, one year uh, after I was an adult, our cook quit and I was already married to my husband then. And so, um, we went into the cookhouse and we cooked in the cookhouse for about three weeks. And that's one of the hardest jobs on the circus is trying to make a hundred, 200 people happy with their food every day. And, and they're usually not. It's uh, not just a, a circus. It's many different types of businesses put together. It's a trucking business. It's an animal business. It's entertainment. It's concessions business. You know, everyone that travels with the circus is not wearing that spangled costume in the center ring, but they're just as important as that performer in the center ring. Last year, we purchased $2,000 worth of fuel to pump into our generators and our trucks. All that has to be taken care of on a daily basis. We have a mechanical crew that travels along with us. They follow up with the wrecker and the tires and everything. I think the media in this day and age kind of uses circus in a negative light. And it really drives me crazy because if they only knew how organized and orderly a circus is, they wouldn't even think about using that in the, in the terms that they're using it today because there's nothing chaotic or, or disorderly or unorganized about the movement of a circus. The logistics. Oh, it's it's it was mind-boggling. You know, the, the armed services actually went and studied uh, Ringling Brothers when they were under tent to see how they did what they did because Ringling Brothers in, in its heyday under the tent had... 2,000 employees and they had 500 horses and they traveled by train, but they moved this huge colossus thing in a very orderly and organized manner. But it's extremely hard work and uh, you have to, you have to love the circus and love what you do or, or you couldn't do it. It, it. it takes too much out of you physically, emotionally. And that goes down to the working man that's driving that stake in the ground or the guy on the flying trapeze that's completing the triple. You know, they really have to like what they're doing. What are some of your, your current challenges as an owner? We don't have quite as many performers as we used to. We've condensed it down to a run-ring circus. I often wonder what my dad would think of that because he was a dreamer and he always wanted the tent so big that you couldn't see from one end to the other, and he accomplished that. So I think... Um, the challenge nowadays is to get the kids away from the computers and the, all that 
and to get them to the circus. Because once we get them there, they have a, a great time. They have fun. Any wisdom or lessons that your parents passed down to you that just really resonate with you today? Well, they were hardworking people and they loved what they did. And they tried to give people a good value for their dollar. And they appreciated that people worked hard to earn that money to come to the circus. Circus is, is a positive word and it's brought joy and entertainment to millions and millions of people all over the world for centuries. I know that my father would just be so proud that we're forging on, that no matter what it takes, we're gonna keep this operation going. It's quite an amazing operation, it really is. You've been listening to Barbara Miller Burick, the third generation owner of Carson's and Barn Circus, a family-run circus based in Hugo, Oklahoma. She was interviewed for the Library of Congress's Occupational Folklife Project by librarian and oral historians Tanya Fincham and Juliana Nicolajan of the Oklahoma Oral History Research Program at Oklahoma State University in Stillwater, Oklahoma. To hear the complete interview with Barbara Miller-Bird, please visit us online at www.loc.gov forward slash folklife. On behalf of the Library's American Folklife Center, this is folklorist Nancy Gross. Thank you for listening to America Works. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.